Welcome to episode two of the Dead Serial Podcast. I'm your host, LJ. Real quick, I would like to give a shout out to Donnie and Sadie at Beard Care Club. Uh, you can check them out on Instagram at Beard Care Club USA. You can also check out their web domain at beardcareclub.com. This is a vet-owned and operated business. Uh, Donnie and Sadie are longtime friends and longtime supporters of the podcast. Please check them out. Give them a follow. Uh, outside of that, I'm really excited tonight to sit down with my friend Joe Limbaugh. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of geekdom and nerdum. We're going to talk some movies, maybe some comic-inspired TV shows, etc., and uh, just kind of get to know the guy better. So without further ado... All right, finally sitting down with Joe. Uh, I do want to thank Justin, who offered to create some intro music for the podcast. Uh, you can find him at Graver666 on Instagram or uh, Cult of Z-O-Z-I-O on SoundCloud. I appreciate you, man. Joe, what's up? How's it going, man? Excellent. We finally, after a, a little crash on the fantastic <laughs> Apple product, are recording. Technology. <laughs> fantastic. We probably recorded enough, well, stated enough that could have been recorded for probably enough content for three episodes already, <laughs> and we didn't get any of it, so... Nerdum, geekdom, movies, yeah. comics. Yeah. What are you bag. thinking? What's up? Uh kind of kind of stoked on on a lot of the new uh, comic book movies that have been coming out lately. You just saw Justice League? Yeah, I did. I have yet to have seen it. I liked it. It's getting kind of, I'll say mixed reviews at this point, yeah. but initially slaughtered. <laughs> and I don't think it's it's definitely not domineering at the box office, but. I don't know, if you're a DC fan and you like those characters, I, I think they did a good job pulling it off. Pulling off, It's kind of tough to do anything that has multiple like iconic superheroes. Yeah. You know. Well, a team of superheroes. Exactly. Marvel seems to be doing phenomenal, though. Yeah, yeah, but it's still tough. <laughs> it's a tricky thing. That's just my bias coming out. Uh, I really love Batman vs. Superman. We, we mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, I'm a fan of that movie. I, I understand why I kind of... Did, audiences didn't really gel with it but that, those are the things that I like about it well and the theatrical cut like we mentioned is weaker compared oh, yeah. to the director's cut which is yeah. phenomenal in yeah. my opinion I really 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 like the uh, three hour cut it just it just opens it all up and, and sets up uh, Dawn of Justice or I mean uh, the Justice League movie nicely yeah. plus Wonder Woman was really good as well so I think they're they're moving in the right direction Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, the yeah. Wonder Woman standalone movie. Yeah. By far the best DC mm. universe, DCU film, hands down. It might be. Yeah, opinion. I don't know. For I, I have to give it up for Batman versus Superman because just I'm such a sucker for those two characters uh, that just seeing them in a movie together and then having Wonder Woman in there, it was just. That was it for me. I, I, they could have just sat around a table like just eating <laughs> donuts and drinking coffee and I would have just been stoked on it as long as there was some explosions in the background and every now and then somebody's like, oh, hang on, I'll be right back. I just love those three characters so much so to see them on the big screen in a way that was, I don't know, it, it definitely put to rest the whole Joel Schumacher campiness bad of the nipples. characters. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. bad nipples. But purely making a Batman film for toy production and Kind of sad. And that's it. Yeah. Really sad. <laughs> Warner Brothers, they, they fucked up back then. They dropped the ball hardcore. Oh, shit. Tim Burton and Michael Keaton were both attached. They yeah. both wanted to do a third yeah. one. 
Michael Keatman has since come out and stated that he wanted to do more of a Batman Begins esque. Yeah. And yeah. like kinda and, and going Liga into a Shadows, dark night kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And thank goodness Nolan did that. Yeah. Yeah, his first two were really good. The third one was it was good. I, I thought it got trampled a lot harder than it should have, but I don't think it lived up. It dude The Dark Knight's a hard movie to follow up. Oh, how it's, do you follow up Heath Ledger's performance yeah. as a Joker when he doesn't have the ability to return yeah. as it's, that character? It's no no disrespect to Tom Hardy, who did I think he did a good bane. People make fun of the you know, the, the talking through the mask. It doesn't bother me. You mentioned Joel Schumacher and that yeah. version of Bane was <laughs> While it looked ironically familiar to the Batman animated series, yeah, yeah. outside of that, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was very comic booky, and at least Tom Hardy's. I mean, you know, it looked more realistic, which you got to do when you're making these films. But Marvel's been on a good run too. I mean, like Logan was Logan amazing. was phenomenal. I mean, and that's not even part of the MCU. No, no, it's part of the Marvel like uh, uh, mutant yeah, cinematic yeah. universe. X Men, X Men's stuff. Hopefully. Disney will acquire those rights down the road. But Logan, I think, will probably go down as one of the best superhero movies oh, of our time. Hands down. I actually wonder if they'll just if Disney and Fox will just kind of come to a, an arrangement like they have with Sony. Sony and Columbia Pictures. They could still control those films that they want to release and how they want to release them, but but still keep them connected. I think everybody kind of wants that. Like now's the perfect time to bridge the two Spider-Man Homecoming another good one oh uh, phenomenal Michael Keaton was a great vulture Tom Holland yeah. uh, don't get me started I'm biased with Michael Keaton and uh, as a vulture he was absolutely brilliant <laughs> Tom Holland was a perfect pe- I've, I've liked every actor who's played Peter Parker so far in their ongoing series but this kid like nails it like he yeah. looks like how I picture Peter Parker and maybe it's also that the eyes on Spider-Man now can finally they, like they be expressive. They finally move, like yeah. in the animated cartoon on yeah. Fox, and, and in the, the panels of, of it, thousands <laughs> of issues. Like that that part right yeah. there made me excited. going back to the old comics. I was surprised how his eyes reflect his emotions, like facial features. Yeah, kind of wish they would do that with Batman. I kind of wish now we're at a point where we can. So in uh, Batman versus Superman, when uh, Batman's in the bat armor fighting Superman. Which very Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns, but pays big homage. Oh yeah, but you see the the eyes glowing, just the white, and I'm thinking, perfect. Now we're at a time when you don't need to see the actor's eyes through it because that's not, that's the Adam West Batman. That's not really Batman. Yes, (laughs) I love Adam West. It's not a diss. I'm a huge fan of Batman '66, but when you're when you're I don't know, trying to kind of bring it to life, but also pay homage to the comic. I think we're at a time now where before it was impractical to have an actor where you can't see his eyes, plus a lot of actors probably don't want to do that. But They want to be known. Right. That's why Stallone had to take off the helmet and Judge Dredd. One of the many reasons why that movie sucked. What was the uh, Judge Dredd that came out with uh, Bones from the new Star Trek franchise? I know you saw that. Yeah, Dredd Dredd. with... um, uh, Carl Urban. I love Thank Carl you. Urban. Carl Urban's a fantastic guy. He was awesome yeah. in Thor. Dude, he, yeah, uh, he was, oh, yeah. He, he was great. He was, he was uh, nice in person, too. I met him at one but of But that rendition cars. of Judge Dredd was compared to Stallone, and no, and no diss to slice Stallone. I'm a kid of the 80s. <laughs> and so I, know, am I. I know my roots, and I love them, but... It's not a good... No. It's the, not a good rendition of the The 2012 Dredd movie with Carl Urban is... And Carl Urban's perfect. rendition of that character was perfect. Which I hear it may become a Netflix series. 
I hope it does. I know he, I, well, at least from what I remember, he's either supported and or started a petition for yeah. somebody to pick it up. I remember when he was here at Comic-Con talking at the panel, he uh, was really excited about the prospect of hopefully doing at least a sequel film because he liked yeah. he liked playing Dread. How could you not? <laughs> he doesn't take the I love helmet him. off, man. That's I love him great. as Bones. Yeah. Oh. Dude, Especially he, in the 2009 Star Trek. He is my favorite. Like In the way him and Kirk meet. Yeah. And he's... Because uh, uh, the thing about it is... everything but my bones. <laughs> you, I, you just I, know it. <laughs> yeah. I like how... Don't pander to me, kid. Like, I like how they're all <laughs> reminiscent of their original... Of the original actors without, like, aping them. Without just doing an imitation, right? Yeah. So every now and then you, you've got Chris uh, Pine doing the whole, you know, bones. And it's kind of nice but he, that he doesn't do it the whole time. But... Carl Urban just can't help. I don't think he's. It's doing an imitation. I just think he's so similar, in so many ways to DeForest Kelly. That like, or DeForest Kelly, however you pronounce it. That I that couldn't um, even tell you his name if you asked me. So I'm actually impressed. Okay, good. I'm um, gonna sure quietly you, open up. I get a bunch of hate mail from Trekkies, man. Because I said Trekkies and they're Trekkers, so they're they're gonna pick a fight. Well, now they're really gonna pick a fight. <laughs> I loved the uh, documentary Trekkies back. No, I actually. No, those are good documentaries. They really are. Didn't love it, but it was entertaining. But I honestly, uh, I never saw or appreciated Star Trek. And I'll shamefully admit this until J.J. Abrams' 2009 motion picture with the reboot. And you can go back on my Facebook post to the fucking night I left the theater after seeing (laughs) it. And it legitimately says, Mr. Lucas, please give your movie rights to Mr. Abrams and it's in black and white it's documented it's on the interwebs forever so when they announced Disney 8 acquiring Lucasfilm and the yeah. rights to Star Wars and not only Star Wars Indiana Jones right which hold on we'll get back to that <laughs> maybe not tonight but at some point yeah. um, it's a whole can of worms so when they announced not only did Disney acquire it? There's going to be another trilogy. And then the following days, I was on vacation with my family in Hawaii. And I was like, holy shit, you guys. Like, There's going to be another Star Wars trilogy. And then they announced J.J. Abrams. I literally, <laughs> not literally, but I wanted to literally piss my pants in yeah. excitement. And I don't... Dude, you I don't, were very I, prophetic. Yeah, I can be dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I think they... Force Awakens kind of like not as bad as Batman versus Superman, but got some flack too. It's just it's, they just regurgitated Episode Four. Yeah, it's not my favorite. It's got moments, but it's yeah overall. But going back to to Star Trek, I know a lot of people, the purists who who hate the Abrams, what they call the Kelvin timeline. Right. They hate Abrams uh, and what he's done and how they you know conveniently set it in a splintered timeline and. Things like that, um, but I understood but damn, that it was is it convenient. It, it was, but it was a way of bringing it back for for yeah. a modern audience and for generations. I mean, at that point, the the last Star Trek series television series Enterprise ended in two thousand five, so you know six years later, um, and a lot of those other spinoffs weren't nearly as popular as, as like Next Generation. You know what I mean? They got progressively lower in viewers, so there was a whole lot of people that weren't familiar with. Trek and it, or, or didn't appreciate it, and it was a way I'm of, of those intru- people. introducing people to that universe in a streamlined way that's 
enjoyable. I like those films. I think Beyond is the best out of the three. I think it's a really good film, and maybe it's because Simon Pegg co-scripted it. Yeah. And he's he is a Trekkie. You've been a fan trekker. of Simon Pegg for and a yeah, long time. I love that guy. <laughs> uh, ever since Spaced, been a huge fan of that guy. But um, going up to the um, Abrams Star Wars, I think it's a good film, but I do think it's it's no better. And I know you're going to get hate responses for this, but I don't, think it's, I don't think it's any better or worse than the prequels. In that, it has a lot of fan service, a lot of nostalgia moments, just pure yes. nostalgia, which is great, but it's a little razzle-dazzle. And then... Uh, the kind of the, the way it sort of reinterprets the original Star Wars movie. It's like there's a third Death Star. Like what? <laughs> that was you a, know the weakest point for me was a third Death Star. Yeah, it, and then trying to force Captain Phasm as a Boba Fett type character with right. you dangle this pretty mm-hmm. thing in your face. It's awesome. The only reason why she's in there is because and she's shiny, and then the whole shiny it's armor a, it's only because J.J. Abrams is a huge fan of the original Phantasm movie and so I, I noticed that yeah. he stated that in an interview <laughs> well, I watched a lot of extra content surrounding <laughs> The Force Awakens yeah but Rogue One was so much oh my god pure it was Rogue just One a was pure perfect. perfect Star Wars it fit right in best one next to Empire in my opinion the two my two favorite Star Wars movies hands down are The Empire Strikes Back maybe it's a cliche I don't care I still it think is the best, best one and um, Rogue One, so good. Yes, there may be a few character development issues. Who cares? It was a great movie I was for what a, it is. I was impressed with Rogue One, and they tied up what could have been a shit ton of loopholes yeah. by killing it. Oh, yeah. Plus, I love, I, you know, talking about this earlier, uh, I'm a Star Wars Rebels fan. I really enjoy that series. It feels very much like Star Wars, which and that, after so much of the prequels and the Clone Wars cartoon, I wanted to see TIE Fighters again. I wanted to see Star Destroyers and the Empire and their outfits and everything. Back and get to back the original to that. trilogy. And it did that before Force Awakens came out, you know what yeah. I mean? So going into that, it was like, wow, um, this is pretty cool. They don't treat it any differently. They don't kidify it for television. It's still on the same level as the films as far as violence and war and drama. Um, but just knowing that their characters were there in Rogue One made me really... It was kind of like a payoff for the three years I'd spent on watching that show. It's like, right on. This is canon. Well, and I loved The Clone Wars. Uh, yeah. I actually dragged... Jackie and Chavis to see the motion picture Clone Wars. I saw that in the theater, yeah. Yeah, I saw it in the theater, <laughs> Century 16. I thought, this is going to be huge. This is going to be fucking epic. It was just a pilot it was horrible, TV series. But it was a horrible pilot. It Let's wasn't, no, it wasn't. Jabba the Hutt's baby yeah. was kidnapped. Oh, spoiler alert, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, it's only been 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Get over yeah, it. And you're better off not seeing this. In my opinion, it was a piece of Just crap. start with episode one of the television But then series. there was uh, Cartoon Network, did the actual yeah. animated... Yeah, it was great. Uh, same, same guy did Samurai Jack, Yeah, right? yeah. which that Andrew came Rick. back, too. Oh, which is awesome that it came back. Um, so I, And I love that because even though it tied in more with the prequels, that all alluded to... Alec Guinness in episode yeah. four, sitting with Luke in Obi-Wan's yeah. hut... As he gives him a lightsaber. You're talking about the the. He, that's the only the mention of the Clone Wars, right? uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, and the original movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I'm referencing the original movie. Gotcha. And that's why I love the Clone Wars because every time I sit down and I watch it, whether it's one episode that I fall asleep to or I sit and binge season six again because yeah. it's freaking amazing. Yeah. Uh, 
the whole time in the back of my mind, I'm just hearing Obi-Wan Kenobi or Alec Guinness. <laughs> yeah. I served him, uh, I served your father, or, yeah, General Kenobi, you served my father during the Clone Wars. That's the only mention, that's it. Yeah. In the entire trilogy. The Clone original Wars, trilogy. the original trilogy, yeah. yeah. You, you've got to specify. Um, <laughs> no, the, the whole, that stuff is exciting to me, filling in the, the gaps. Like, I'm looking forward to the Solo movie. I'm actually I'm fine really with Ron Howard directing. I mean, I love he worked Ron with Howard. Lucas and American Graffiti, and then Lucas produced and wrote Willow that he directed. Yeah, which was great. So they got the similar sensibilities. I, I think he'll but do But Far and Away job. is one of my favorite motion oh, pictures of all time, and that's a Ron Howard play. Yes, it is. And hello, Apollo Nicole 13. Kidman. How are you? Yes. And Tom Cruise is the uh, almost pikey Irish <laughs> kind of chap that comes in, yeah. and he can scrap and... It's a I'm good, fine with good Ron movie. Howard. I would like to know the exact details. Why did the? Because there was two directors on the Han Solo mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, I think the direction they were taking it in was too much to one side. I think it was veering. From what I read, I think it was veering too much to uh, more comedy, almost like a farce or a, a bordering on parody. That that's not the direction they wanted to go with. They want to still keep it an exciting, be. swashbuckling adventure with the handsome rogue. Yeah, you know that you're all gonna come home to love. Billy D. Williams, That's right. character Lando Calrissian, and it's Donald, Donald Glover. Glover. Yeah. I'm so happy. Oh, yeah, I'm way happy, dude. Because I love him on Community and his show Atlanta. I haven't caught much of it, but I, I really I appreciated Homecoming. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Because uh, Miles, Miles Morales, Morales. Is his uncle. Yeah, <laughs> dude, and I also like him, his music. He's an MC too. Um, I didn't know that. Childish Gambino. He's got Childish several albums. Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino. Look for it on the Instagram story and on my uh, Spotify soon. Sorry. Yeah, no, That's no a more reminder to me than <laughs> anybody else. So. No, it's he's dude, he's perfect. I think that's I from what I understand, they designed the character of Miles Morales to look like him when they were creating him in the comic book and introducing him. Oh They're nice. Like, that I can that see guy, the yeah, he's he's Spider Man. So um when they were recasting for Homecoming, well for Civil War and then Homecoming like, he was a name that kept popping up. Is this going to be the Miles Moranis Spider-Man? Everybody wants to see the Miles Moranis. But I think now Morales he's a or Morales? Or Morales. Thanks, sorry. sorry. My bad. I, at this point, You're though, already I think, bringing all the hate from the Trekkies and the Star Wars nerds. This is going to be a hateful episode. Divide. <laughs> I, no. think, uh, I think he might be a little too old to play the role now, which is why they said it was his nephew, because he is a young, young kid, younger than Peter Parker. So. Chill out, puppy. Dogs. Dog Eggs. friendly podcast fail number two. <laughs> you can you can bring your dogs to your podcast. Well, that's true. We have awesome. one here. Uh, so we're uh, get go on, kiddo. <laughs> so I know when we really originally talked, we were going to talk about uh, movies, maybe movie distributors, uh, English rights. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, oh, you you mean the Criterion Collection? Oh, yeah. yeah. The Criterion, Criterion collection. collection. Do we maybe want to take a smoke break? Maybe have another ten-year-old Glen Marenghi. Oh, you don't have to say yeah. on or off the microphone. That's up to you. No, I'm uh, down. Okay. It's, I'm down. It's mighty tasty <laughs> it's on the rocks. Tasty, yeah. Fitting for this time of year. Um, I'm a whiskey drinker, but scotch, <laughs> I'm usually very, very uh, nervous because sometimes it's really tasty, such as this, and other yeah. times it's like paint thinner, and it just... Yeah, okay, fair a enough. A little hard, 
But uh, yeah, that sounds like a plan. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do, I asked you for a favorite movie clip and or sound mm. clip from a TV show or movie. Yeah. You want to do a super quick intro as to what these listeners that yeah. may or not sure exist thing. are going to hear? Sure thing. <laughs> uh, it's a clip, sound clip from a, an episode from the uh, uh, seventh season of Red Dwarf, one of my favorite uh, British sitcoms or Britcoms of all time. And if you're a sci-fi fan like, like I am, and, and I mean fan, like fanatic. I love science fiction television and, and, and movies. And, and if you can combine that with comedy and do it well, this is the show for you, a long-running show. But they're basically setting up uh, that the uh, lead character has been infected with a virus that's going to kill him, kind of zombify him. And uh, they make a nice reference to our lovely city here. And there's anytime like a, you can throw that in there, I'm happy. And there's like a, a vampire, a droid... He's so a cat. Humanoids. He's got the fangs, but oh, he's he a cat. A, he's, he's a, a, cat. He's a humanoid descended from cats. Uh, then there's an, uh, the servant mech android. Um, the sometimes on-again, off-again girlfriend from an alternate dimension. <laughs> and the last okay. human alive. The last human alive is the one who gets uh, uh, infected. They're three million years out into deep space. Uh, last human alive with some interesting like roommates that most of the time they just do not get along and that's where the humor comes from and they <laughs> like to make fun of a lot of sci-fi cliches and kind of which is fair it's yeah. easy oh yeah it, like Futurama you know nice um, show's been going on since 1988 but they've only completed their 12th season but uh, yeah anytime you can take they know we have a fan base here and so they've made a few references to Utah or things of Utah, like the Osmond family, things nice. like that. But, um, and definitely Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City itself. in particular. Nice. So they know we have a fan base here, and since they uh, they they like to uh, poke fun at us, I get a big kick out of this next clip. There's a foreign substance in your blood, and, well, I recognize the DNA, sir. Is that good or bad? It's the epidemic virus, sir. Uh, a man-made parasite created as a rival to the nicotine patch. Epidem was an intelligent organism designed to block all neural signals relating to nicotine craving. But in practice, it also blocked the signals telling the body it needed blood and oxygen. Is that why the common chick looked like the centerfold from this month's play, zombie? Precisely. It's virtually unstoppable. For the first 48 hours, it consumes its host, uh, then hijacks the corpse and goes looking for a new victim. Uh, when it can't find one, it freezes the body and waits. So, the life signs on the Leviathan didn't belong to Carmen, but to the parasite inhabiting her body. Which passed to you the moment she, well... Slipped in mouth meat down me gullet. <laughs> Open tongue, hockey to death. In 48 hours, I'm going to be deader than a Saturday night in Salt Lake City. <laughs> there is one option, sir. I believe you might have a better chance. And welcome back. How was your smoke? Oh, it was a good cigarette. <laughs> Filthy habit, but damn it, I love it. That's all right. I picked up vaping again for a minute, so my watermelon nicotine was overly refreshing. Watermelon, you say? Yes, sir. That's interesting. <laughs> I like that clip. That was a good clip. Uh, I actually, it was funny because I asked you for a sound clip. I researched it on my own based off of the information you gave me. I watched that exact same clip, and then I messaged you and was like, I can't find can't this clip. <laughs> so I sent you the same clip. It's just you gotta wait till the end, man. Yeah, and that—that's an. What is the clip? What from Red Dwarf? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what is it? 
pretty soon we're going to be deader than a Saturday night in Salt Lake City. Which is pretty funny. I mean, Salt Lake City's a little bit more upbeat, but not that much more upbeat than it was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. People used to watch that show on PBS, and and they they got a lot of viewers. So they kind of know that, yeah, people must be bored on Saturday night in Salt Lake City. They're watching our show. And that's why I get the biggest kick out of it. So PBS was that your main source for BBC? Oh yeah, the, Brett the, Comedy. Yeah, the, there were there were some uh, basic cable networks that would show some British programming. Uh, MTV had shown a, a little bit, A uh, and E, but most of it you'd see on PBS before BBC America. So okay, PBS uh, usually on the weekends. Our uh, Channel Seven KUED here in Salt Lake City would have the best lineup. Uh, shows like Black Adder. Red Dwarf, Blake Seven, Doctor Who, like it'd be a nice four. The only one I recognized out of that entire Black Adder, man, with uh, Rowan Atkinson, the guy who plays Mr. Bean. Yeah, Mr. Bean. You've got to see the Black Adder series. It's one of the best British sitcoms ever, hands down. (laughs) It's just hilarious. But um, yeah, because I I kind of like that kind of foreign and 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 British kind of stuff, but. Speaking of, like, uh, the, talking about the Criterion, Criterion Collection, this thing collection. I've, been, I've been dying to tell you about. You said you weren't familiar with it. And you so, mentioned several times you want to, I should be familiar you should. with it. <laughs> There's a certain major uh, retailing chain out there in the United States. I won't tell you what it is, but the initials are B and N, so take a guess. But twice a year they have sales on this uh, collection of, of films they've got on Blu-ray and DVD called the Criterion Collection. Um and they're usually 50% off, which is nice. Nice. Because Criterion uh, Blu-rays and DVDs are ex- rather expensive. What it is... is because they're co- imported? or No, it's a company that started um, back in like 85. I think they're out of New York. And they started off with a Laserdisc format. And and the nice. reason why... Laserdisc. Laserdisc, when Sweet. it was brand new. And the reason why is they were taking films that were like critical films, uh, like critical critical successes or iconic films uh, from Hollywood as well as foreign films and independent films and they were releasing them on Laserdisc so they could get like the, the best treatment to these films presented the best picture okay. they're the ones that started releasing films in their aspect ratio for the screen how they Sweet. we call the letterbox yeah. or theatrical uh, version yeah theatrical so, so it, it would it was letterbox in the 90s pan, though, yeah. that. <laughs> so they didn't pan and scan it um, so it wasn't modified to fit your screen they were the first ones to have trailers. I said, well, supplemental material. Trailers, okay. behind-the-scenes, deleted scenes, behind the all scenes. of the things you would expect nice. on most DVDs and Blu-rays. They pioneered that aspect. And they they take really good films uh, from around the world from a lot of really good filmmakers, and they release them in sort of the, the best... Well, I guess not now, because 1080p... You can get 4K. They remaster a lot of them in 4K, <laughs> but they're not releasing them in 4K yet. I'm sure they will. Um, but I go nuts at these sales, man, because there's just so many movies, so many different types of films. Um, they, like some recent releases for them, they they released uh, David Lynch's Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me. Love it. Criterion. Uh, Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon got a Criterion. I'm familiar with it. Um, uh, Andrei Tarkovsky's uh, Stalker, the only other science fiction film this guy ever did. He, he's a Russian filmmaker. He did the film Solaris, uh, which Steven Soderbergh remade with George Clooney in okay. the uh, early 2000s. Right. Um, they released like 
Michael Mann's Thief, Michael Mann's the creator of Miami Vice, and and did a lot some Brian De Palma films. If you're familiar with Brian, Brian De, De Palma, Palma like, sounds like a Blowout, Dressed to Kill. Um, they're, the, they're just they're they're coming out with a Night of the Living Dead and Silence of the Lambs Criterion editions in February. So what do the Criterion editions consist of? Um, Night of the Living Dead, Silence of the Lambs caught my attention. Yeah, I'm obviously, excited. Obviously, your fandom is uh, <laughs> much more expansive than mine. That's why I love. Like we talked about sitting down and, and talking about it and having you on the podcast, yeah. and you'll be on this podcast often sweet like it or not you're coming back twist um, my arm but uh what what kind of drive do you to get into movies and pop culture and comics and especially more so starting to become a collector because i dabble in that you can look around my room i've got like yeah, a fallout see, figure bb8 over there bb8 sphero droid and a giant the, darth the ash versus evil dead groovy button yeah, yes, I do. That's great. <laughs> I love that. I'm jealous. But you're a collector, respectfully, and I'm lazy. Uh, so I got, I'm a half well, collector into these days. Um, these days. I, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, this year alone, I bought some Ash vs. Evil Dead figures from Nika. I bought the Stranger Things reaction figures from Funko. I bought the Twin Peaks reaction figures from Funko. But other than that, and, and, and uh, Hot Wheels Millennium Falcon. And other than that, I haven't really bought any toy so much but there's something about i don't know being a kid uh i think our generation was well not the first the the generation before us the uh baby boomers i think had a hard like a hard time letting go of their childhood in a way that you know there was a time when you put away childish things became a man and you left that behind. Got and your corporate job and your moved suits. into a house. Yep. I have a family. family. I'm very well established. Yep. It's part a of the new Mercedes in my driveway. And part status. of the, the neighborhood status and, and, was a very big deal. And what people think yep. of you is important. Material. And, and, and their children um, were sort of the first pop culture kids uh, with the invention of television, with the invention of satellite. Suddenly there was more... MTV. Things that we could, well, even before then, I'm talking about the baby boomers. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, sorry, I, thought, I thought we were jumping ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I just saying, like, that they're the first ones to sort of bring um, their pop culture, which is why when those people were old enough to be working in television, you'd see reruns of shows from the 50s and 60s. Nice. And I'd, I'd watch those. And then, of course, our era uh, was even more geared towards pop culture and Absolutely. youth and a uh, whole genre of films just for kids and, and teenagers and sci-fi was all over the place and I think just growing up with uh, cable and radio uh, and records and cassettes and CDs and just I don't know there's something about holding on to those things and and enjoying like being able to go back in time and sort of uh, reminisce about stuff that I grew up with but also superheroes being the modern mythology it just I don't know it's always stuck with me as opposed to like I want to be a doctor or I want to be a firefighter I was one of those kids like I want to be a superhero like there's just something about the absolute concept of the hero and I don't know it just it always it it sparks the imagination anything that sparks my imagination I get obsessed with so and it usually stems from the audiovisual medium of film and television (laughs) and, and music for some reason I think film is like the greatest art form man's created because I agree can, with that it can be so expressionistic it, but it can also be simplistic but it can reach a huge audience of people um, just capturing an image 
uh, with sound is just an amazing feat, you know? Telling a story graphically that way, it's like just the next best thing to comic books for me. Comic books would be the next best thing. Well, I think that's kind of the draw for me, at least with, and not so much being a collector, but appreciating stories, whether it's a podcast, it's a song, it's a television right. show, it's a movie, it's a novel, it's a poem. Radio drama. Radio, Radio drama. drama. Yeah. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? <laughs> the shadow knows. Yeah, uh, ex- nice. <laughs> yeah, love it. Um, but it's always that, that story. And you're right. Like Modern modern day mythology is a hooper. Wow, hooper. It must be the uh, 10-year-old Glenn Marenghi talking there. Um, but it's a modern mythology is a superhero story. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, so, very much so. And right now, it's weird. It's it, it's blown up things that I used for escapism, like as a kid to get away from yeah. Batman bad, the animated bad series for me. Comic books, cartoons, <laughs> video games, that kind of stuff. It's all become incredibly like mainstream and huge right now. It's kind of exciting, but kind of annoying too. It's stuff that I used to get picked on and beat up for, but now. Um, it's it's a part of the zeitgeist which i'm stoked on but once you get into like pop culture stuff once you decide man i love films not just movies not just stuff for fun but you start to like appreciate the the artwork the the content the concept of creation the method yeah exactly uh then you start to look for um you start you start to uh let me backtrack here when you start to research into film you start to hear the names of filmmakers in certain films constantly that you're you if you're inspired by it or excited by it you're like wow i should really check that out this film apparently people have been talking about it for 50 years i should check it out and a lot of those i i would it kind of opens you up to more pop culture now now you can like you can hang out with cinephiles and talk about like Movies that aren't big commercial hits. What are cinephiles? Cinephiles, people Educate that are... Educate me, please. Uh, cinephiles are, are just film fanatics. Like, the, the oh. really, more so than just, I like movies a lot and I watch movies, but people who get to know the um, people involved with the films, not on a personal level, but the names. You get to know who cinematographers are, who editors are. You can speak that language. Like, oh, Blade Runner 2049. Man, if Roger S. Deakins doesn't get an Oscar <laughs> nod for cinematography... I'm going to be pissed off because it was beautiful, right? right? So sitting with people and talking about the production designer or the costuming or the use, even the yeah. language of like how a shot is framed and like, oh, it's a beautiful static shot or that was a nice dissolve, things like that. Two movies I critique in that exact same breakdown that you just described. Mm-hmm. Ridley Scott's Prometheus and Alien Resurrection and more so Prometheus. Which I think is another movie that maybe got mixed reviews, but is a beautiful movie. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I thought it was really good. It's an origin story. It's supposed to be removed. It's not yeah. what happened to the Nostromo. It's not... But people got this confused. This is an origin. The it's, and, but I loved it. Because they, they're thinking... That was the last Alien production that Geiger ever played a role yeah, in. And that role so. was simply Ridley Scott inviting him to come look at the concept art and... Ridley Scott just respecting him as an artist yeah. being like I'm using your artwork I'm continuing it I want to use it in this fashion this yeah. is what my people are coming up with and Geiger passed off on all of it and that's Prometheus and yeah, that speaks balance to me I mean if you want to talk 
movies or comic books or TV or artists or getting into that, what was it, the word, the cine... Cinephile. Cinephile. <laughs> Cinephilism. Yeah, you can, I, I think you could use that. Cinephilism. Um, that's okay. fucking mad. Yeah. Um, so through that, I discovered the Criterion Collection on... on um, well, not the Criterion Collection. That came... I didn't actually discover that until it was on DVD, like in the early 2000s. Okay. Um, but before that, there's a company that's very closely linked to the Criterion Collection called Janus Films. Janus Films is a, a film distributor out of New York. They've been around, I think, since the mid-50s. They're the first company that's really responsible for introducing American audiences to art house and foreign cinema. Uh, filmmakers like Akira Kurosawa and Francois Truffaut and Jean-Luc Gardard and Federico Fellini and these kind of things. Um, and Criterion was one of the first companies to say, hey, these films that you've brought over to the United States, we want to distribute in this prestige format. Nice. For cinephiles, you know. Um, and so it just kind of... Um, I was familiar with Janus Films. I bought some uh, VHS back in the day from the old Blockbuster video, <laughs> R.I.P. And, yeah. Um, and yeah, so once these movies started coming out on, on DVD, it was, it was pretty exciting. Um, there's just such an amazing selection of films from a wide variety and a wide variety of filmmakers... Their goal is basically to make like the pristine collection of films. But they inspired so many other companies that are currently out there that are doing the same format, but maybe to lesser grade movies. Like um, there's a lot of studios that are taking B movies, like B sci-fi movies or films that are considered B movies, cult films, horror films, and they're giving okay. them the same treatment. There's the Scream Factory. Scream I've Factory is one of my Factory. favorites. They're from Shout Factory. Shout Factory releases... Don't recall Shout Factory. Like, they are a distri distribution company that now releases Mystery Science Theater 3000. Nice. Uh, stuff like Spin City, Home Movies, Freaks and Geeks. Freaks and Geeks. Um, they released albums, like they released William Shatner's album, uh, Has Been, from 2004, <laughs> the one that uh, Ben Folds produced. Right. Henry yeah. Rollins is on that thing. Amazing. It's, it's, so is Joe Jackson. It's actually an interesting <laughs> album, but... They have this imprint, and, and they release movies, too. They've got uh, Shout Select, so films like Midnight Run, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across well, the Midnight Run with Gene Wilder and... No, that, no, no. No, no, no. Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro and... and Charles Grove. Charles Grove, thank Dude, you. Dude, they just released Mr. Mom. Like, they've, they've got good movies, Mr. but Scream Mom Factory... Like, I just barely picked up today the Scream Factory release of Misery. Nice. Uh, with Kathy James Bates. Kathy James Bates. Um, they got tons of uh, uh, good horror movies, but then there's also Arrow, Arrow Films. Arrow Films. They're a British company, um, but they're doing the same thing. They all come with like a ton of special features. They all give them the 2K and 4K remaster, and they all have alternate artwork commissioned by new artists and things like that. So they're all publishing them in these pristine editions there's blue underground like a there's box collectors sometimes sometimes the fancy case they can like individually you can buy each one of the like wellgo usa is another company and they distribute new movies that come out in the theater as well as older films they've got the phantasm movies right now except for phantasm 2 that's a scream factory but when they release the box set of all of them they all work together for the rights to, to release that but you can buy them individually too if you're like oh, I only like Phantasm mm. 1 and 2 I'd rather go for the box set exactly would you go for the box set oh yeah, yeah I get a box set all the way 
I already had the first two on Blu-ray, and the first one I just bought, I don't know, four months before this box set came out. It was the Bad <laughs> Robot remaster of Phantasm that got nice. a limited theatrical run a year ago last October. And I was like, said, ah, fuck it, you know, I'll buy the box set anyways. I'll just trade these two in and get credit <laughs> towards that box set, but I got to buy the box set. Um, in general, I mean, digital... DVD, oh, Blu-ray, dude. 4K. Um, usually, what do you usually recommend a lot of these companies um, like Vestron Videos, which was a distribution distribution company in the '80s that released like horror movies and B movies. Lionsgate, if you're familiar Lionsgate, with that company, yeah, they bought absolutely. them, so now they're releasing their the Vestron movies in the Vestron collection. Films like uh, Chud Two, Bud Chud the Chud. Chud. Uh, Lair of the White Worm, The Unholy Parents, Chopping Mall, great 80s horror movies. But um, I don't know. Most of them are are DVD and Blu-ray. They haven't quite gotten into the 4K format yet. I don't know if you... I think you could probably buy or stream a lot of them through some online services, but not all. Um, Part of the the thing is... What do you think? I like the tangible media, so I like to buy... I like the artwork. Consume. I like to everything. Well, yeah. not consume. In I'm a not bad a major way, consumer. But... I'm more of a collector of Co- these yeah. tangible things. I buy records. I buy I buy comic art books. prints. Yes, I need to be better about comic books. Uh, I definitely collect firearms. Of course, I haven't uh, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you, you're collecting adult things. There, I haven't grown up. I'm still I buying some necessarily toys. Necessarily grown up either. I mean, like my toys I'm are still podcast just yeah. out of my imagination <laughs> and my own. Brain fart. Yeah, um, but like adults look, you know, like an adult toy is a car or a toys, gun or something. I'm buying firearms, kids' toys. tattoos. I've collected tattoos yes. for years. Yes, so you have. Uh, which is good. What do you, when you don't have a physical copy and you're not collecting something that's not BBC or English, or you, what are you watching on Netflix? Oh, man. Um, all the Marvel Netflix shows are all worth watching. Um, yeah, you asked me earlier. I haven't seen the Punisher. Oh, Punisher is so good. Punisher, yeah. Uh, obviously, Stranger Things. Stranger Things was phenomenal. Season two was yeah. great. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, not yeah. as good was, as one though. But I don't it was know. Great. I disagree. The Ghostbusters thing. I think it was I better. I think the characters have grown more, and the storyline's gotten really interesting. So. Big emphasis on character development. They yeah. introduced a couple cool characters. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, kind of. Mustache mullet guy drives me crazy, but that's the whole uh, point. Yeah. You know? He's a Power Ranger. He doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> He's <laughs> is a he? Red Ranger. Is in the yeah, and that's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. No, well, that's, that's it. Got, uh, that's why you're answering like, you're an asshole. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was I was barely on that cusp where I never got into Power Rangers. Oddly enough, I was in high school when it started. I was in my senior was year. I was 17. <laughs> I started watching it for the first year because I was like, wow, they're doing some like, um, like super, some super Sentai stuff. Yeah. Shit. And I don't know, after, after about a season, I was just like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> but at the same time, that's when the X-Files and Briscoe County Jr. and... Briscoe County Jr. Star Trek Deep Space oh, Nine. Damn. And there was I remember watching five. Star Trek Deep, Deep Space Nine, but uh, yeah, Briscoe County Jr. Oh, hell Are yeah. You kidding Bruce me? Campbell, all yeah, the way. Fuck yeah, and that was a great series. It was only one season or one two? One season, 26 yeah, episodes, and it's oh, too bad it did 26 episodes last. is why it felt like two. Yeah, well, they stretched and it out for a while. today's standards. But, oh, uh, yeah. 
Uh, especially with all the shows that are on the streaming services and stuff. They're all like 10 (laughs) episodes long. But yeah, um, I don't know. I just, I really enjoy uh, picking up these movies and these editions. And they've got, man, I've picked up a lot of really good films over the last couple of years um, from these different companies. Classics and some I had heard about. Like recently, I took advantage of the Criterion sale. And picked up uh, Fellini Satyricon. I heard about this movie from Federico Fellini for years, but never <laughs> uh, never got around to seeing it. Even when I worked at Blockbuster Video for years, I mean, it was there in our foreign video. section. And second, oh, I should rent that. Second shout you know. out. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, I was uh, I was a Blockbuster jockey for like a good. That four had to years. benefit the. Uh... Collection and yeah, oh yeah. at least exposure how it's, to I started collecting movies. movies with the VHS because I would, would, nice. was working there. I had a small collection before, and then after two years of working there, I had a ridiculous amount of VHS. I still have a lot of VHS, and I need to get rid of it. I can't do it. I can't watch it. I, I don't get, watch it. I got to get rid of it. I need the space. That's one yep. thing with digital, but I am getting back to work. I want to get those Blu-ray At least Blu-rays and 4Ks are small, you know? Well, yeah. And they look amazing. Yeah. Literally look amazing. Seeing older movies remastered gives it a whole new experience. But yeah, um, so I'm basically just a collector of of nerd shit in that sense. I still have old He-Man figures, old G.I. Joes, old Transformers. I wish I had my old figures. Mask I don't. figures. Muscle I always man. consolidate. I wish I had all my Magic the Gathering cards. Dude, I got some. I have a minute amount. I kept uh, a black and red deck. That's something I, I never got into. I, I have a small set, but I never really played. I got mana beads, 12-sided dice. It's like Cobra Kai. Got, it is Cobra Kai. You got a hoodie with Cobra Kai on it. That's, That's funny. Uh, yeah. I just bought Salt City uh, United. It's our supporters group for Real Salt Lake. Oh, nice. Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. Put him in a body bag, Johnny. <laughs> Dude, about a year ago, I bought the Steelbook Limited Edition Blu-ray of The Karate Kid. Like, I love Did that. Did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? No, I've never seen it. You should series. watch it. Yeah? Um, spoiler alert. I'm not going to go any further. It's going <laughs> to take time and a few seasons, but... You'll finally get to that one or two episodes. Yeah. Cobra Kai. All right. Nice. The real karate kid. (laughs) Uh, I think we're coming up on our second half hour. Uh, Do you have anything you want to part with? I know uh, you're going to be coming back. And we'll continue a conversation. It's free form or not scripted. There's no bullet points or focus. It's just us. Bullshitting. Kind of, kind of bullshitting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say, to, you know, if, if you like, enjoy popcorn movies, go see Thor Ragnarok, go see Murder on the Orient Express, go see Justice League. They're all fun. One out of three I've seen, and Thor Ragnarok killed it. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, I was overly impressed with how they completely changed the, yep. the tone of that trilogy. Like, it, it's more cosmic. It's more yeah. set in the Marvel cosmic, so it, Universe it, it and had more took of what James of the Gunn did with yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and 2 and amplified it and made it its own. Yeah. Because it's not a ripoff. Of no, Marvel. not at all. It's, it's, it's similar, but it's not. Sense, yeah. but it just yeah, feels... Oh. I mean, it well, just felt thematically similar. Pat on the back. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a tie. <laughs> plus, really good cameos. Really good cameos oh, in yes. that movie. Cracked me up. Well done. Yeah. We'll all sit down and, and we'll talk again soon and yeah. drink more scotch. And uh, I appreciate you coming out. 
Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. I appreciate I'll it. I'll have you out again. For sure. Hearty handshake. <laughs> uh, again, as always, do no harm, take no shit. And that's a wrap on episode two of the Dead Serial Podcast. I'd like to thank Joe for coming down, hanging out, and shooting the shit for a little bit. Uh, I usually will just post the outro music credits on the website, but the band taking us out tonight uh, holds a special place in my heart. So, Salt City Bandits, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Never